Pepperidge Farm remembers. Jake, when's the last time you had a Pepperidge Farm <laughs> cookie? Um, it was probably a Milano um, about two years ago. Milano, not unlike the Guardians of the Galaxy ship. Is that what their ship's called? Yeah, the Milano is the name of that first ship with like all the wings that come out. It's orange. Oh, well, yeah. you know way too much about the Marvel Universe. And Pepperidge Farms. And Pepperidge Like Farms. those pirouettes or whatever they were called that I just showed you. The, uh, the old cookies. You know who's really good at doing pirouettes? Anthony. <laughs> oh, that's great, because he plays with another winger named Sancho, who isn't as good at pirouettes. <laughs> and they're both probably not going to be part of the squad for a minute. No, they're both going to be out, but specifically we'd like to focus on the Sancho sure. issue at Manchester United. The Anthony one, like, like we don't really want to get into that. There's a lot going Absolutely. on with it. But Sancho we have a little bit more detail about after he was left out of the match day squad right before the international break for Manchester United. And sure enough, he comes out after the game. Ten Hag has a press conference mm-hmm. and says, uh, you know, he hasn't been performing well enough in training. That's why he's not part of the squad. He wasn't doing enough. And Sancho decides to retaliate after about 20 minutes with an Instagram story post that says, I won't have people lying about me. I work hard every day. I will give everything for the badge. And... uh well, that's last week's news this week. In fact, today, on Monday, Jake, we just got news that apparently there was kind of showdown talks between Ten Hag and Sancho that didn't go well, according to the mail, and Sancho could be on his way out in January. Yikes. Um, not something you want to see as a Man U fan who uh, has spent $200 million on two wingers that are no longer a part of the plan, you know, Currently. as it stands. Yeah. Obviously, one of those situations is very much still in the early stages of developing. Um, but Brent, look on the bright side. Um, Anwar El Ghazi. Yes, linked <laughs> with a shock move to Manchester United after being a sensation for Villa and Everton in the Premier League. Come in to fill that void because it looks like Sancho might not be making the team. Yeah, um, pretty much the same exact player. Uh, but yeah, tough for Sancho and United. I guess if you look at the situation, Ten Hag, you know, kind of calls out a player, but he's kind of just being honest when asked about uh, why he was left out. And then Sancho comes out on social media and essentially calls him a liar. I don't, I don't see there being a clear road back for Sancho. It would take uh, a lot of mending on both ends. Yeah, I think what's hard about it is because of the Anthony situation, they're kind of left in a position where Sancho would be playing had he not just made these kinds of comments. But also, Sancho has been given a lot of the benefit of the doubt so far. If you don't recall back to last season, he missed like four months of the season. Ten Hag let him go to the Netherlands so he could refocus on his mental health. I don't know if you remember this around the World Cup and after, Mm -mm. but he was out of the team, like completely taken away so he could focus on his mental health and he could rehabilitate, like work back on his fitness, on his form, get it all together. So he did all that, has tried to reintegrate him into the team as a winger, as a center attacking mid, as a false nine. None of it has really worked. And maybe this is just Ten Hag trying to give his like last kick in the butt. Like, I don't really know what else to do, so I'm going to just tell the public like what's happening. And maybe that'll motivate him. But it seems to have done the opposite, almost. And it's really just a shame for Sancho that he waited until after the international break to do or uh, the transfer window to do this, because... He missed it by just a few days, but now he has to be there till January. 
Yeah, and on the surface, it, it looks like that Ten Hag is in the right here, um, just objectively speaking, because you know he sees what's going on behind closed doors at training. He's the manager. He ultimately makes that decision with the squad. And there's something happening in training where he feels like he can't play Sancho. And it's tough on Sancho's end because the things he was dealing with last season are like intangible things, um, not something concrete like uh, a physical injury. Sure. And so uh, a lot of fans are less understanding uh, because there's so much we don't understand with mental health and uh, people are, you know, short with their um, patience with that sort of thing, which is, is unfair. But that's just the majority of uh, football fans. So I, I think that he's kind of been villainized for, you know, something that we don't know how serious it is. And um, I, I hope that everything's okay on that side of things. But if it just comes down to him putting in the work behind the scenes during practice and he's not doing that, then that is on him. And he has to show that he wants to be there before Ten Hag can, you know, give him a third or fourth chance. Yeah, I think it's hard because especially as you mentioned, like from a fan's perspective, like he's on like 350,000 pounds a week. Like he's a very highly paid player. So that patience is probably even thinner for for a situation like Mm -hmm. this. But what's also hard is I feel like if you're at a big six club, top six club, working hard in training is like the bare minimum to get to that level, especially as a 22-year-old. Like that should should still be like the bare minimum. You are trying to work very hard to impress the manager, to get better, to play week in and week out when his competition is Anthony and Rashford and kind of Garnacho as well, he should be working extra hard. Let's not forget last season, Bruno Fernandez played on the right wing over Sancho playing. So clearly there's been something going on for a long time. And I think probably from Ten Hogg's perspective, he's looking at the situation thinking, yes, there's a good player there. It has, it's been two years. It hasn't really worked out. And now I have Garnacho, I have Palistri and Amadiallo's coming back from injury yeah. as well. There's a lot of competition that if it's not going to be Sancho and if it is or isn't Anthony, regardless, there are a lot of really quality young wingers coming up the ranks below that. I think Ahmad's the oldest and he's 20. I th- or Palestri might be like 21, but still, like they, they are all very young, just as old as Sancho and making way less money presumably working much harder in training, Mm -hmm. why not give them the opportunity? So maybe this is Ten Hag, like I said, like trying to be like, Sancho, I'm calling you out publicly so that you know I'm serious about this. You need to work harder because there are people pushing you out of the team. Yeah, and uh, leave it to United to have $200 million wingers not part of the team after, you know, one or two years and not – being the end of the world because they're deep enough where it's like this isn't going to be the end of the club like they're not going to be dropping into a relegation fight by any means they still have two uh, very good young wingers that are healthy at the moment um and that can provide that creativity on the wing obviously you know you'd like someone with more experience like sancho um but that doesn't appear to be an option right now so it'll be interesting to see how these younger guys step up and see if they can um, you know have the maturity to fill these roles you know obviously i think people have questioned um garnacho's maturity and rightfully i mean sure and he's kind of fallen into that category of someone that is you know um, leaning into the star boy sort of like archetype where he's like spending a lot of money and dyeing his hair and people 
like read into that like oh having like a kid yeah he's like oh he's not serious about the football like yeah. he just wants to live that lifestyle so i think it's you know a great opportunity for him who's gonna he's already seen a lot of playing time this season but he's going to continue to see that um with the other wingers falling to the wayside for uh different reasons so i i'll be looking out for that i, I think it's going to be a big season for ganacho yeah uh, maybe a make or break sort of scenario for his entire career to be extreme about it yeah I think it's I mean I'm old enough I've been watching the game long enough to remember Cristiano Ronaldo's teenage years at Manchester United not to say they're the same talent but there was a lot that went down in Ronaldo he was very inconsistent in his first year it showed flashes of being great but dove a lot to the point that it's come out in recent years that like Roy Keane Gary Neville had to get on him in the first season and be like we do not do that like like we do not draw fouls by diving sure. and the, the team does now. Most teams do now. But the point, you know, I, I think Garnacho would probably benefit and probably has benefited from having someone like Casemiro in the team, another South American, won it all, done it all, as something to kind of keep him grounded. Um, but I agree. I think I think Sancho's probably feeling the pressure. And I think it also does go back to Ten Hag in two ways yeah. in my mind. One of them is that man in the year and a half he's been here has dealt with ungodly situations that no manager really has to deal with in a normal. When you think mm-hmm. like the Cristiano Ronaldo Piers Morgan interview, Greenwood, then Anthony, now Sancho, yep. like Sancho even before Anthony with the with the issue of like needing the mental health health break away from the team for a few months, maybe he's just fed up and is like I'm just going to call it out in public because I don't want this player and I'm tired of it, and I'm just going to call him out so that he knows and the world knows this is how I feel about him. My goodness, that was loud. <laughs> Two, you could also say it is on Ten Hog because he should handle that behind the scenes. That's not something you need to bring to the public. Sure. Unless it's, like a, like I said, like a tactic to try to incentivize him one last time. But Sancho still has his post up. He's clearly still feeling a certain type of way about it. And even after their, quote, showdown talks today, hasn't removed it. So, like, it's his pinned tweet. So, I mean, clearly things haven't been resolved, and maybe Ten Hag didn't handle it well. I don't know. How would you handle it? Like, I I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I think what they tried to do today was probably the right way to go about it. It doesn't sound like it actually worked, whether that was the club not meeting him halfway or Sancho, um, you know, doing the same on the other end. But uh, I think this was the road back. And now that seems like it's, you know, going to be a lot rockier than anticipated, like even even more so than anticipated. Um, I, I don't see Sancho playing much football for United this yeah. season um, if it continues to be like this. And you're right. Ten Hag has had to face some ridiculous scenarios. I also thought of one more, which is Maguire refusing to leave. Yeah. I don't know what happened to McTominay, but... I, Regardless. Anyway, sure. you were saying. But yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I always, at least for the past... Since Fergie left, um, the United job is just an impossible job. Yeah. And I've never envied anyone going into that because... I mean, I have. I would do it. Okay. You know, you know <laughs> what I mean. Yeah. Um, but Brent, I'm going to ask you something I don't really ask a lot of you. Um, put your Manchester United cap fan on. cap on okay. as you grew up as a Man U fan. And I want you to select your 
top three or four forwards in formation for United with Sancho and Anthony now not part of the squad? Um, so I would say it would depend on games. If they United have shown in most big matches against big six teams sure. that they like to counterattack under Ten Hag. Okay. Can I add a stipulation yes. here? Just so you don't have to do any of that um, qualification there. Okay. Home match against a mid-table side. Home match against a mid-table side, you probably go with the new players, Casemiro, Bruno, and Mount in the midfield. Okay. And uh, you know what? I'm going to change. I would probably say Casemiro, Mount, and Erickson in the midfield. I'm assuming everybody's healthy. Bruno on the right wing, Rashford on the left, basically playing as an inverted forward, and Hoyland up top because... United don't have any wingers that cross the ball. They don't have any fullbacks that cross the ball. That's part of Hoyland's game. But Bruno plays a great ball into the box. And so probably if you have Rashford and Hoyland and Mount in the box with Bruno playing balls mm-hmm. in, that's probably your your quickest route to success. Yeah, and if you look at that you know, formation, that those attackers on paper, that's still a very good side that yeah. should compete um, in the top six for you know the higher European spots. So... I, I don't know. It, it's a luxury that United can afford that um, they're still probably going to be okay. And even though they have some sort of turmoil every other season, they still come out in the top four usually. And yeah. that's, you know, that speaks to their kind of heritage and their winning ways mm-hmm. and the fact that they just have so much quality um, in their depth. But yeah, um, some other teams that we are used to seeing in that top six, Brent. Not happening. Kind of dropping a little bit and and replaced by some surprises. I would say some big surprises, Jake. Right now, as we look at places 6 through through 10, we have Brighton, Crystal Palace, Brentford, Nottingham Forest, and Villa, not to mention West Ham in 4th. Meanwhile, we have Manchester United and Chelsea in 11th and 12th, Fulham in 13th, and Newcastle in 14th, which is kind of just... Outside of Chelsea, flipping the script from last season. Even Fulham had, I feel like, much better form at the start of the year last year. They were flying. And so it's surprising to see those teams up there. But, again, also adds an element of fun, I think. West Ham making the biggest 180 I've ever seen. Lucas Paqueta, I don't know what about yeah. Rice leaving. <laughs> just elevated it, it his It freed game. him up in the midfield. I guess. I don't know what's going on. But he's playing like a man possessed or like a man wanting a Manchester City move. And then when it comes to Palace, Brent, Brentford's been there. Palace in great form. Forest in ninth place, considering they also had a really disappointing loss to Manchester United after going up 2-0 in the first, what, five minutes? Yeah, five minutes. They arguably should have gotten at least a draw out of that game. So, I don't know. It's, what do you think about it? I think it's kind of fun to have that variety. Oh, I absolutely love it, Brent. Um we, we can't imagine this staying for the remainder of the season, but we, we love a little shake-up, at least in the beginning, just to add an element, a little storyline to it. Um, West Ham, like you mentioned, probably the biggest surprise of the bunch. Um, they, they lost uh, Rice and did not look like they were going to have a good midfield coming into the season or depth. Um, and they did. And they did. They, they added some new faces. Ward Prowse has helped. Uh, absolutely. But you're right. Uh, Pekata, um, I think it's that self-belief. You know, he always bets on himself. Same um, as Antonio coming into form, though, too. He has been a revelation 
the season at 33. Yeah, he, he looks like a man reborn. He looks like he's uh, 23. And nice. uh, he's been he's showing those striker, like, finesse, not finesse moves, but, you know, the... Technical know, prowess? Absolutely. That <laughs> you don't usually see from him. He's usually more like a physical He's presence. a bully, usually. Yeah, like exactly. That's his, yeah. But now he's uh, pulling out some moves that we, we're not used to seeing, and he's scoring and, and looking like a real threat. It must be because he joined the Jamaican national team. They're teaching him new things that England just wasn't. Yeah, like uh, bobsledding. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a good, cool running. When was the last time you saw that movie? Ten years ago. Oh. Uh, but fantastic. Great movie. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I would look at the bottom, you know, the top of the bottom half of the table, if you will. And United, we just talked about the turmoil that's, you know, they're kind of in the drama. Uh, I think they come out of that and end up back in the top six. No problem. Chelsea. Who knows? Uh, I don't understand that club. You can only throw so much money at the wall until Pochettino something sticks. probably gets fired, too, if it keeps yeah, it going keeps like, like this. this. I mean, yeah. like, I'm just, like, even if it's within the first 10 matches, it stays this way. He's probably gone. I'm trying to remember when did uh, Bowley take over? What was the manager situation like? It was Potter. Wasn't it? Yeah, and he he let Potter go. Okay, so then he Pretty probably much instantly. he'd probably let um, Poch go as well. So that that could be trouble. Um, Fulham, I'm not surprised about. I think they lost too many players and yeah. that they didn't replace them, and that this um, position is probably accurate. Uh, it's about right. Yeah. And then Newcastle, um, I, th- I would say the biggest drop off surprise with West Ham being the biggest um, increase. Yeah, I I, mean, I think they swap in two months. I don't think you're wrong. Newcastle has had a tough start to the season fixture-wise. I mean, they beat Villa 5-1, but then you play Man City, Liverpool, and Brighton. Those are tough fixtures to start out the season. And while if you're going to consider yourself one of those European clubs, like, like a Champions League club like they are right now, those are matches you should at least draw away and win at home and they lost to Liverpool at home and lost 3-1 to Brighton away right before the international break. Mm-hmm. Lost to Man City 1-0 away. Those are very disappointing results for Newcastle. I I know that there are better days to come, like like easier match days ahead, but for the momentum that they're trying to build, especially they haven't even started their Champions League play yet. And so that also adds a factor into fitness, into squad depth and they could be in for a really disappointing season after that start, especially with Champions League starting again. Yeah. I'm a little worried about them. I don't, I don't know that they're gonna flip in the sense of like going back up to fourth. Sure. In two months, they'll definitely be in the top half of the table, but they have to be disappointed. Oh, absolutely disappointed. Um, they had a tough uh, run of fixtures to open up the campaign. I am not gonna deny that, but I think that they, based on where they were last season and where they want to be will be very disappointed, especially the Liverpool results uh, with them going down to 10 men and then losing that game. Yeah. Um, West Ham plays Newcastle on October 8th. And, Put it on your calendar. Um, I'm going to predict that at that time, Newcastle will be ahead of West Ham. Okay, I think that's So that's, uh, that's not too far in the future, Brent. That's less than a month away. And I think that they will flip, not necessarily 4th and 13th or 14th, wherever they are. Yeah, I think uh, that's right. Fourth and fourteenth. Fourth and fourteenth, but they will be um, ahead of West Ham. Do you say that because you looked at their fixtures? Because West, I haven't. I literally uh, haven't. West Ham had played. They drew Bournemouth. Yeah. Beat Chelsea. Beat Brighton. Beat Luton. Their next two are City home and Liverpool away. 
And oh. then it's Sheffield home, and then it's Newcastle. Okay, so they'll probably get three points max. Probably. From that run. Uh, although they're scoring a lot. I think that's that's the one thing with the West Ham side that we haven't seen in recent years is yeah. they haven't been scoring. And in their last three matches, they've scored eight goals. Yeah, I remember last season we were talking about West Ham and going on a run of like eight or ten games where they were scoring like an average of like half a goal. A yeah, game. it was not good. Yeah. But And I realize Antonio's part of that. But the whole team seems to be coming to form at a good time for them. The other surprise up there that I'd like to point out is Crystal Palace uh, just seem to be outperforming. They've had some tight matches. They beat Sheffield 1-0, lost to Arsenal 1-0, drew Brentford, and then beat Wolves 3-2. These aren't convincing wins for them. Their next few matches coming up, they play Villa away, then Fulham at home, then Man United away. Those are going to be tough fixtures for Palace to maintain this kind of form, but I think the start of the season, I think they were one of my relegation teams to watch, and... I think this kind of form will give them hope and should give Palace fans hope at the start of the season that that won't be the case this year. Yeah, I think a start like this definitely makes you think, you know, not a, a relegation side when there are teams like Luton and uh, Burnley who have played one less game than everyone else but aren't, are on zero points. So I think that the bigger the buffer you can put between yourself and those relegation fodder teams um, like Luton and Burnley and, you know, Everton and Sheffield are also in that conversation, absolutely. Yeah. I've always said that I think Wolves are also in that conversation. Mm-hmm. So um, if you build an early buffer, it's all about just grinding out results yeah. towards the middle and end of the year, where it's like if, if you're starting off real slow, then you have to play sort of more of an aggressive attacking football to try to get sure. all three points, where it's like they might be, you know, playing a little more defensive and just trying to get a draw because they know that they just need to build a slight increase going forward because they have enough buffer. Yeah. So I think Palace are looking good. Um, Eze and Eduard um, look good uh, providing the um, chances and the goals. Actually, a surprise for me is Jordan Ayew. I, I yeah, always write great. him off. I think that he's just so old and not. He's a been good around player. a long time. He has. He scored against the United States in uh, the World Cup in Brazil, 2014. Yikes. So the man's ancient. Yeah. But he's kind of using that veteran knowledge of uh, you know kind of doing tactical fouls and getting the other team to get a little riled up, and then also you know gets into the box and creates those chances that you wouldn't think someone of his age could get past the defense like he is, but he's doing a great job. So I want to give him credit because I always, not on the pod, but just in general, I always yeah. personally write him off. So. I um, Well, he's on my FPL team. Is right he now. actually? Yeah. Um, and I am pretty sad about his last assist against Brentford where Anderson just slide tackled the ball into the net. That one still makes me sad to think yep. about. Um, <laughs> Jake, here's a question for you. Okay. West Ham... Palace, Brentford, Forest, which is one of the biggest surprises to start the season in Villa. Who finishes the highest in the table? I don't care about position. Of those teams who've had this strong start, who do you think finishes highest? And who do you think finishes lowest? Let me um, make sure I heard these right. West Ham, Palace, Brentford, Forest? And Villa. And Villa. Okay. Sorry, yeah. Um, I think it's Villa. I think that they have the, the best squad on paper. And I think that they just are having a slow start, and I think they have the best manager. Um, I think him 
and Thomas Frank are probably the two best managers of the bunch. And I think going forward, uh, you just have to side with Villa and uh, Unai Emery because they have just a better quality squad. Sure, and better depth. They do. I know that they have to play in Europe, but it is the Conference League. And if you look at what West Ham did with a, like a lesser squad, yeah. they, they played their first team in the Conference League pretty much every game, Yeah, um, which is why they did so. They were undefeated in group stage, which was incredible. And then they went on to win the whole dang thing. So I think that um, outside of the Premier League, Villa will also do well. But I think they have the ability, especially for the home matches against lesser sides in Europe, to rotate more than West Ham did. And they, they keep up in the Premier League and end up about eighth, where I think Brentford probably is the next one up in ninth or tenth. West Ham, I think they're going to decline. I think that this is just an anomaly and that they're going to um, kind of come down and uh, regress to the mean. Same with Palace. Yeah, I'm worried for West Ham that it's like the international break came at the worst time. They could have still the used the momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, I, yes and no. Didn't she say that their next two fixtures are against City and City Liverpool? City and Liverpool. So, so that's what I'm saying. Like, like they could have used okay. that momentum to like maybe get a draw out of it. Like the fans are feeling at least like against one of the one of those two were home. I, I think it's say, City which, at which home. Which one is home? City at home. <laughs> okay. Um. And I think they probably could have used that momentum to maybe get a draw out of City or Liverpool, yeah. whereas now it's probably looking more like they might lose it because of the time off. I still think – I worry that Palace will be the lowest finishing team uh, of the bunch. I just think they still don't have the depth nor the quality to really challenge week in, week out in the Premier They've gotten some good results to start. I know the Hodgson high is is in effect, but I just I worry that they don't really have what it takes to to eke out results, which leaves me with Forrest to actually finish above them. Sure. I think they've brought in so many players, and more importantly, they have stuck with their man, Steve Cooper, over so long that I think now, I think the first season was very clearly like the new players adjusting him adjusting to having to manage all these new signings, the 20 that they brought in. Whereas now they seem to have found their number nine. They seem to have found a midfield that works and they seem to have a pretty consistent defense. And Matt Turner, though he has a few mistakes in him, is still playing well for them and making big saves. Even if they're not game winning saves, like in the Manchester United game, his save against Anthony was world-class. And I think if you have a goalkeeper that can come up with a world-class save, that will earn you points in the Premier League. I think to finish the highest for me personally, I would probably say the Bs. Uh, You're and biased. I'm not just putting. You're biased. On, I'm not just putting on my B cap. But if they're doing this well without mm-hmm. Tony already, if he's there after January and they've already established themselves as like a eighth, ninth, maybe seventh place team, and then Tony comes back, they've lost some results because they're missing that number nine right now. Yeah. Um. And, and so I think. If they can maintain this form and then Tony comes in where other teams maybe drop a point or two, they maybe eke out that extra win that they're missing. While all these other forwards are just gaining confidence in the playtime without Ivan Tony, like Mbwemo, like Wissa, like Shada, that maybe the spotlight isn't on Tony so much and they're getting a chance to thrive before he comes back. Yeah, and there's nothing like on paper or from the results and the games that I've watched about Brentford that makes me, you know, say that they're going to drop off. It's just kind of a feeling that I have that, you know, Wissa 
and uh, Mbuemo just can't do it a whole season. Yeah. Obviously, you mentioned they're going to get Tony back if they don't sell him in January yeah. because he's going to be a hot commodity. Yeah. Um, I, I just feel like there is going to be a drop-off, and it's going to be enough that they're going to finish yeah. below Villa. They're still going to have a good season. Yeah. I think they still finish top 10, maybe just right on 10. Yeah, 10 to 9 probably. But I, I, I just feel something about the Bees where they're playing well but kind of are showing cracks a little bit. I don't disagree. I think what's more telling for me is that the Bees are showing cracks, but they haven't lost. They have one win That's and three true. draws in their four matches. So even when the forward line is a little off and not putting away chances, Mbuemo has missed a wide-open chance on the six against Palace. They've had Wissa miss a few chances. Shada only just scored his first goal for the Bees yeah. recently. But they haven't lost in all four matches. And I think that's what's more telling for me is that, yes, one win and three draws isn't anything to write home about if you're talking about, like, the top teams in the league. Okay. But they're not losing games. They're finding ways to at least eke out points. And I think that's really important for mid-table teams to establish themselves and to start recruiting better, to start attracting better players is we're not losing. We don't lose. Now, City will come up. They might lose that game. You know, but at the same time, last season, they're the, they are the only team to, to have really like beaten the big six clubs last season. Yeah. And uh, and not just like one of them, like all of them, they got results against. And so I think they still have that. They just are waiting for their talisman to come back. Yeah, um, I, I don't disagree. I, I think not losing is a big part of it. Um, I, I do, however, think that, you know, a win and three draws would be like a very, very good return of a four game series for a relegation team like that's like we're we're doing everything we can I think for a team like Brentford that has been in that mid table and kind of looks like they could push a little forward I I think they should have showed a little bit more resilience in their last fixture and gotten all three points I know you feel the same that they kind of oh, yeah. che- cheated out of that. Not cheated, but you know. Well, they just wasted dis- a lot of really good chances. They hit the not. post three times. Absolutely. Uh, and Mbuemo, like I said, missed a chance. His XG on that shot was like 0.9. Yeah. And he missed it wide. So So I think that they're definitely missing out on chances to get all three points in those draws. Um, you could say the same thing about Sp- the Spurs match where Mbuemo missed one. Yeah. The sitter. So, yeah, I, I, I think it, it's Harsh for me to say that they should be wanting more, being Brentford, a team right. that is just known for being a good scouting team and selling their best players, yeah. which is good to an extent. Yeah, I mean, it's working for the owners. Absolutely. They're making oh, a lot oh, of cash. Absolutely. <laughs> the owners are probably super Thriving, happy. yeah. Um, but yeah, the last two things I want to touch upon on Brentford before we move on. Matt Turner reminds me of a young Hugo Lloris where he's a shot stopper but isn't doing much outside of that. Yeah. Not doing much with his feet. His distribution's not bad, though. It's not... He's oh, no sorry. David De Gea. I know I said Brentford. I know. I, I was going to correct you, but... It, sorry. Two things from our previous conversation yes. before we move on about him at Forest being like a young Hugo where has mistaken him, yeah. but good shot stopper. And then with Brentford, which is why I had that. Your preface. Exactly. Yeah. Um, is that you mentioned putting your beast cap on. 
but I got you a B's polo, and I still haven't seen you in it yet. And I'm not taking that as a personal affront mm-hmm. to me as a human being and as a friend. Human being. Nice. Um, but I, I want to see you in it sometime. I can wear it to the office tomorrow. Perfect. I'll wear it to the office. I'm it's gonna... supposed to be... We have we have themes for each day. But Tomorrow's sorry. bees? No, tomorrow is like <laughs> Nordstrom attire. And what does that even mean? Like things you've purchased from the store. They'll know you didn't purchase that. From well, that's <laughs> I don't own like anything that's okay. from there that's work attire. So maybe I'll wear a bees bees polo. Don't tomorrow. you get like fifty percent off? Thirty. You know, okay. That's still a good price. It's still a good deal. I would but be buying a lot of stuff from there. Yeah, I just don't buy that many clothes unless it's footy related. I bought that <clears throat> bees jersey. I've got the bee polo. You're not really about those earthly possessions. No, I'm no. much more um, metaphysically oriented. And I love that about it. Yeah, no, it's and and tune into my next podcast where I'll be doing some ASMR talking about chakras. Oh. Uh, do you think that was a good voice for that? Is that like an NPR? It, it sounded like thing? the the Parks and Rec guy where he goes. Oh, yeah. And coming up next is jazz plus jazz equals jazz. jazz. Yeah, that's... where we play one jazz track on top of another jazz. Maybe track. in my head that's. <laughs> In my head, that might have been what I was pulling for because yeah. I love Parks and Rec, just like I love other things that start with P, like the Premier League. And pajamas. Both things start with P. Pick out a few other things that start with P, but we'll stick with those two. Um, proper prior planning prevents poor performances. Wow. Um, as, I le- as I learned in third grade. It's a pung twister. Pu- Pegasus. Oh, look at that. There's another Pegasus. P, which is my middle school. Um yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, the, that kind of got off the rails. So before we get this train rolling to another station, nice. tune in next time. After our drinks and whiskey and jazz and jazz. <laughs> Bye. We'll see you next time. <laughs>